Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready, so let us begin. The episode picks up pretty much exactly where the last one left off. Uh, Mando and Baby Yoda and Frog Lady are flying in a highly compromised Razor Crest toward the fishing planet of Trask, which is where Frog Lady was supposed to go, um, having all kinds of near system failure. Like, we're, we're barely keeping up in space. Do a really, really shoddy, almost crash landing down I- into the docks. Seems like they're probably going to make it. Uh, and then kind of last minute, uh, Razor Crest uh, just kind of like snuffs out this like d- disgusting blow of, of malfunction and rocks over into the water, takes on some damage. Everybody's okay. And there's lots of uh, fish people there, uh, deckhands to kind of take in the Razor Crest. But she's seen better days and he's going to have to pay for her repairs while they're at port. Yes, so they go into port. Uh, he, he, Frog Lady, and Baby Yoda. Uh, Frog Lady starts to kind of call out looking for uh, Frog Man. And then we hear a slightly deeper uh, frog uh, gurgle um, or ribbit, you could say. And uh, Frog Man and Frog Lady reunite. And it's uh, a really, really heartwarming moment for two just like frog and toad like creatures. Uh, and they kind of like rub heads back and forth. And uh, Frogman is extremely grateful to Din, points him to a tavern where he can learn a little bit more information uh, about where these Mandalores are who look like him. Uh, while he's in there, he speaks to uh, a barkeep uh, who points him to a fisherman who can then take them uh, on a long sail uh, to find more Mandalorians uh, on the other side of the planet. Uh, and so while uh, he takes that journey, we find ourselves with Baby Yoda uh, and Mando on a sail bar on a fishing boat. Uh, and the, the fishing captain wants to show Baby Yoda this really cool uh, creature uh, eat uh, and that it's an interesting thing and he should want to watch. And so he shows him and then while they're distracted, knocks Baby Yoda into the pit to be swallowed up. But Din is smart and closes up the pram to make sure Baby Yoda is at least in his shell while he's swallowed alive. That's right. It was a trap all along. So uh, Mando dives into the cage to rescue Baby Yoda, but then he is also trapped underneath there perhaps with this beast, but every bit as threatening is the fact that these sailors are now stabbing him through the, the bars of the cage. Basically, they, they want to kill him and take his Mandalorian armor because it's so valuable. They don't even seem to know that Baby Yoda is as, value as, any, as valuable as anything else. Um, okay, so he, his goose is cooked. Yeah, we were just talking last week about how he is always like just about done when suddenly some stranger flies in and saves the day. Indeed, this time it's three unfamiliar Mandalorians. Or are they unfamiliar? Uh, they violently kill all of these uh, pirate sailing captors and then uh, introduce themselves as Mandalorians. Uh, Mando says, I've been hoping to run into more of my kind. Then they remove their helmets. And this is very confusing for Din because he's not aware that Mandalorians can do that. He's reticent. Uh, they reconvene in a restaurant uh, the leader of the three Mandalorians is the familiar Bo-Katan, the heiress of Mandalore. Uh, she kind of gives him a little bit of background, and he remains reticent. Yes, uh, you skipped over a couple things there. Uh, the Mandalorians save Baby Yoda from the Mammacore, so he doesn't die. I said that. Uh, 
I didn't hear that. Sorry. Uh, so anyway, they, they dive down, they save uh, Baby Yoda, and they also tell Din that he is, in fact, uh, not a standard Mandalorian, that he is a child of the Watch. Mm -hmm. He doesn't like that so much and flies away. Uh, while in an alley, he uh, gets his life saved by these Mandalorians, and then they buy him a drink, and then they're able to converse a little bit more, and ultimately promise that they can help him with his solo mission, despite that not really being the way of the Mandalore, and that he should be all for one, one for all, uh, and help them reclaim the planet that he thinks is completely lost, um, that he will they will trade the information about the Jedi uh, in exchange for his help on this mission in reclaiming a bunch of guns from the Empire so that they've got some, uh, some firepower to go take back Mandalore. They plan to hop aboard a trawler uh, and take out a bunch of stormtroopers. And so, when, sorry, when they're at trawling uh, kind of level uh they go about do that uh and a whole bunch of badassery ensues so they go up to that uh the little shuttle where they're gonna overthrow the imperial um officers and uh it, it i mean it pretty much goes the way most uh, mandalorian takeovers go like they pretty deftly take down some stormtroopers it's a little bit clumsy actually it's not on their part for, pretty much for the for the whole duration of the third act of this episode, they don't really do anything wrong. <laughs> they uh, ultimately uh, find their way into the cockpit where uh, the Imperial captain has killed the two pilots. And uh, basically he says, uh, I, I can't take you to, uh, well, I guess Moff Gideon does a transmission at some point. I'm a little confused on the order of events. I also forgot about the frog lady thing as well. The fact that Baby Yoda is now with frog lady and Frogman. Right. Um, but even while they're aboard the ship, they they do some dodging of troopers. Uh, Moff Gideon uh, has checked in with this captain who is Titus Welliver. Uh, and Titus Welliver is basically told, uh, no, you're going to kill everybody aboard because you've already lost this ship. Right. Uh, and so he kills the other two guys who are in the cockpit and starts driving the ship into the ground as they're sinking. That's when they get in the cockpit. They try to get information from him. Bo-Katan is livid, saying, I need my dark saber. Uh, I need to know if he has it. I need to get information from you. You need to tell them, and I'll keep you alive to tell us about them. But <laughs> He says no. They he ultimately kills himself because he is that is the long live the empire way. Uh, the Mandalorians uh, prevent the ship from falling to the ground. They take it. Now they have a ship and a bunch of guns. Uh, and then Din leaves uh, with the information that he is to go find Ahsoka Tano. Mm. Uh, and there he can learn more about his quest with the child. I'm not sure it's a recap if we take as long as the episode itself to recap what happened. Yeah, yeah, that was not great. <laughs> You're totally right. <laughs> That's okay. It was really good. And it, for being the shortest episode of Mando in a little while... There was probably the most going on story-wise. Oh, there was n not like one second of fat on the entire episode. So uh, first things first, how psyched are you as a Clone Wars fan to see this familiar animated character in live action? Uh, Sub-question to that, performed by the same actor, Katie Sackhoff, just mystically looks like the person she's been voicing since 2012. Yeah, it, they really hammered that home. I felt when they when they casted Kevin McKidd because it was just so clearly him in animation. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Katie Sackhoff doesn't have fire red hair in real life, right? Um, but it was so um, incredible. It was the most incredible thing was the helmet mm. and the way that Clone Wars characters can sometimes look a little unrealistic. But it was exactly that way. They were as acrobatic and cartoonishly badass in real live action as they were in the Clone Wars. And they looked just as 
lived in and as believable as any live action Mandalorian, but like even the blasters were the same as the ones used in the Clone Wars. And it's just, it was so amazing to see so many of these, the hairband that has kind of like the electronic buttons on it that Ahsoka wears as well. Like there was a lot of really cool things brought to life that it, it it's, it's just, it's, it's, it hasn't been done before. And it was done to such an incredible extent. Uh, and to like a really, like it was, it was very fitting. It wasn't weird. It nope. was very appropriate. And, and this is a character that fits within the plot and the story and they had planned ahead and they did great with their voice casting. And I mean, it, it's, it's what you want to see when it comes to, uh, all of the pieces lining up and making the galaxy feel, um, lived in and, and, and as one, and that these stories are actually connected and not just kind of one-offs of, oh, I get to tell my story now. No, these are all like we're there. We're uncovering the stories that happened in this galaxy far, far away, not just telling stories in this galaxy far, far away. Well, something The Mandalorian as a series does really well is refuse to be exclusionary. I think we've talked about this recently, about mm. how uh, you can be really learned and studious about extended Star Wars canon through the animated shows, or the comic books, or the novels, or whatever, like you are. Or you can choose to just fixate on the really like main cinematic stuff, like like me, frankly, and, and like most people. Um, but I have happened to see uh, an, enough episodes of Clone Wars to know who Bo-Katan is. And so as soon as I yeah. saw that helmet, it was really gratifying. Now, I don't know who the other two are, Casca uh, Reeves and Axe Woves, if I'm pronouncing this correctly. I do know I've heard you say the name Sasha Banks before. Yeah. The reason why was because there was, I don't know what it was, but there was mystery about the character immediately as soon as she was announced to be in the show. Hmm. And then they even like played that further by putting her in the trailer as this mysterious person who was just in this cloak. Uh, and everything to me, just it felt like it was probably going to be a Mandalorian. I, I felt like she would have been an appropriate casting for the character of Sabine, who was another Mandalorian. I thought there was a potential chance could be could appear. I mean, you're going to potentially get Sabine or Bo-Katan. I thought the odds were we're probably going to get Bo-Katan, but you never know where these characters are. We're getting Ahsoka. Ahsoka was last seen with Sabine. So there's a lot of logic there. Um, but they were also kind of teasing this. Turns out she's a character. The, the name comes from, uh, like, I think a board game or like one of those like book games from like the 80s the oh. name is an old old name that just is from legends the character has like basically no story whatsoever to the character they just found a really old name and were able to kind of canonize the character these two don't really have any stories that we know about uh they're just two mandalorians who clearly follow um whatever way bo katan is also um her this is the way Right. And, and so whether you know all that stuff or you know nothing other than that, clearly they're Mandalorians. Um, mm. The experience of watching this episode is still rich, although I will say Becky knows a lot less about Mandalorians than even I do. And mm. she found it very confusing, like Din did. And I imagine there were a lot of viewers of the show who were like, who really buy into this Mandalorians can't take their helmets off. I'm not so sure I wouldn't think that too if you didn't help me along the way. And so maybe that's okay. Maybe that's expected. You're you're supposed to learn as he learns that that uh, they're not all children of the watch. And I think that's really interesting. And I think it's particularly interesting because 
Uh, Bo-Katan is a character who her sister was the pacifist duchess leader of Mandalore. Mm -hmm. She was the, at the time, heir of Mandalore. She was the leader. She turned it from its kind of warrior nature into more of a pacifist world that was able to peacefully live. But there was a sect called Death Watch that Bo-Katan was a part of. And they were kind of terror. No, they were terrorists. Mm. She got out before some of their most egregious acts. Um, but Darth Maul essentially took over Death Watch, killed their leader, then took over the rest of Mandalore, killed Satine, Bo-Katan's sister, uh, and essentially all of the rest of Bo-Katan's family. Um, and so this was in Maul's quest to hurt Obi-Wan as much as possible, who was, who was in love with the Duchess. Right. Um, but all of this is like just wonderful connected backstory that Bo-Katan has a, has a dark side and she gets angry and she lies, does uh, like she pray I don't alter the deal any further kind of moment with Din later in totally. the episode. Yeah. She, she's got a mean streak in her and it, it, it's, it's interesting because she is the way of the majority of the Mandalorian people at this time um, or what it's believed, but this kind of subsect, this children of the watch leads me to believe it's those who continued to follow Darth Maul. Now, a lot of people kind of po pointed this down, but it's really hung to me pretty early on was the fact that the armor has horns. Mm -hmm. The armor's Mandalorian helmet has horns, which is an homage to Darth Maul. She followed Darth Maul. Okay. Or her family line did. Uh, so that mean, that leads me to believe that the children of the Watch are those who believed that Death Watch didn't go far enough. Mm. And that they need to, they're the children of the Watch. They're the next generation of bringing this old school warrior mentality back to Mandalore. And so if they're the children of the Watch, I just it just makes more sense for it to kind of be building off because... Death Watch was this extremist group, but Bo-Katan just described this group as an extremist group. Now, she was she had gotten away from Death Watch, but this isn't Death Watch. This is like, like it seems to be like it's the descendants of Death Watch uh, right. or the descendants of those who felt like maybe Darth Maul should have won that war and been our leader. But um, there's a lot of political nuance in there that is lost on the vast majority. Absolutely. But I believe all of that will come out in the rest mm. of the series. Probably. And I think that's what's really exciting because you get to see how that's going to play out, how Bo-Katan is going to try to reclaim the throne of Mandalore. Uh, is Bo-Katan or the Armorer going to become kind of a main antagonist? Uh, <laughs> we could find out that they're uh, maybe Bo-Katan is trying to kind of spin a little bit more magic here and that she's had some even like she's gone crazy. Uh, maybe it's a little bit Sagarera there. I don't think that's the case. Right. I'm going to guess that the armorer is the one we're going to find out is a baddie. Uh, or maybe they all have to learn to work together and that this is the way is like what the way is, is being good. And that I mean, in theory, Cobb Vanth could have kept that armor because he followed the way of what the Mandalore should be. And then it's whether it's like the creed versus so right. many other things. It's a gray so, area. Yeah, it just it opens up so many cans of worms that I just I, I love that because it, it's going to confuse people, but it's going to create a lot of conversation. And like now we don't know which pieces of information to believe that we've heard. And the from a certain point of view of Star Wars, it can all be looked at differently. And that's 
what Star Wars is always great about because it's like the the prophecies can be misread and there's all these things. So uh, I, th I thought that's what this episode excelled at even more than anything is because it may raise questions, but I don't have any doubts that those questions will be answered. Speak, speaking of moral ambiguity, explain to me again what the state of the Empire is at this stage because we're post Return of the Jedi. We have this Titus Welliver character who is very distinctly... He, again, another character who's not given a name. He deserves a name canonically, even if he only appears mm -hmm. briefly, because he is a captain. He's an Imperial captain canonically. He's driving an Imperial ship. He's wearing Imperial uniforms, and he says, long live the Empire. And so who, I mean, his boss is Moff Gideon, I guess. Who's yeah. who's Moff Gideon's boss? What is the Empire? Does it exist? Is there a Snoke? When's the First Order going to happen? It's interesting, like because I, I listen to a lot of Star Wars podcasts. I don't know where I heard this one, but I heard it theorized out there that is Moff Gideon potentially the best of the worst? Hmm. I don't know, but maybe he was the, like, maybe he was left behind. Maybe he was not chosen to be part of the first order and he's clinging to the remnants of the empire. Could be. Uh, potentially. I, I don't think that's the case. I, I think that he probably reports to someone or is just like a lot of people within the empire, a terrible power hungry person who is in favor of oppression for personal gain and has realized the empire has fallen, but I have this current carved out part of the galactic map that I'm gonna try and retain as much power as possible. And so like, the New Republic doesn't do a great job policing. They don't have jurisdiction over all areas. They're not mili uh, they're not militaristically active. Mm -hmm. Like they don't they don't have a military. That's what uh, is in a lot of the the canon novels and information between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens is that the New Republic doesn't develop a military and that's why the resistance has to be the resistance and why they don't have a military to fight the First Order. Right. It's because they demilitarized after the Empire had fallen. And so we're in this period where the Empire has fallen, but there appears to be these sects that uh, we don't know which ones are united. Uh, if Moff Gideon reports to someone, I mean, maybe Moff Gideon is force sensitive. He says he's like a descendant of Darth Vader. Was he part of the Inquisitorious, which were essentially those who were force sensitives who were taken in by the Empire uh, not to kill, essentially, essentially to train and to do um, dirty work, to be assassins and whatnot. Uh, but, but who knows? Uh, he's, he has the dark saber that's been used by people who aren't force sensitive. So I don't think that's necessary. I think it's just a power move. Uh, the state of the Empire is it's in question. So this, this guy who is a captain, I mean, I saw this was another thing that I, I heard in another podcast that I thought was a total reach, but really a really smart observation. Um, just that can be headcanon. Titus Welliver is tanned as hell. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He is not uh, a thin pale Brit, like in the original trilogy. Very good point. So, in the original trilogy, is a guy like Titus Welliver a grunt out on the field and all of the upper people have been killed and that's why he's a captain? That could be. Because he's he's not anything. No, you're right. And, and he's just a pawn for Gideon in this case because as well, he's just, well, long live the Empire. You know your ship is, uh, you lost too much of it. 
he clearly has a menace. He clearly has a hold over at least a couple of these people in that they're they're afraid of what he might do to them. No matter how how big his cloud is, I don't know. But like Titus Welliver answers to Gideon quite loyally, loyally to the point where he, you know, he dies by suicide with that like electroshock capsule that he bit into, which was kind of yeah, gruesome. Yeah, like cyanide kind of. Which is actually kind of cool. I like that actor. Um, I I liked him in that role. I wish that he lasted longer because I could have seen him in Star Wars in another capacity. Although he has mad uh, J.K. Simmons, not my tempo energy. And I mean, that's a that's an Oscar winning movie star. That's not a character actor, who you know, from a couple of things. So if you're going to put him in Star Wars, it would have to matter. But I think I could see J.K. Simmons in, in Star Wars. Yeah, I could too. And I thought Titus Welliver, like I, I cast him as the voice of Darth Plagueis and yeah. what we'd like to see sort of thing. And I think that'd be really cool. But I, I thought he he didn't stand. I thought the role was great. He's a great actor, but I did see Titus Welliver, unfortunately. And so I, I feel like the Imperials who really aren't important, like like him, really should be faceless. Yeah. And, uh, and he wasn't to me. And so I, I didn't. I didn't like that as much, but I mean, really, there's very few things about this episode that uh, didn't like absolutely land with me. That would be just one of the the very few things. The chowder hoses would be another thing that I wasn't a huge fan of. Those were super gross. I didn't like the chowder. I didn't like that there was like live fish in the chowder. I don't know why it had to be alive. There's so many like little critters that like oh, interact strikes back interact with Baby Yoda. I mean, like even happens in the end when like another creepy little fishy thing appears to be about to attack. I don't know if they're trying to telegraph that maybe Yoda, baby Yoda is going to be in some mortal danger in a new way soon, but he like, he seems to be kind of interacting with little creatures a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's more stuff with him, like kind of while he's being babysat by the frog couple, they give birth, I guess, to their first little tadpole. And he is kind of bonding with that a little bit. I still Mm -hmm. feel like there's some unspoken spiritual connection between him and the eggs that maybe we're yet to discover, or, or maybe that's just uh, him relating to nature. They did reiterate that he was hungry in this episode. Yeah, yeah. So that might just have been it. But I thought this—I thought it was really good. The kind of like he was learning to pet the frogs as opposed to eat them. He ate them in season one. Nobody had any issues with that. Yeah, uh, and he ate the the little like of course the eggs, but he he didn't eat it. He he pet it, and like he was learning. Um and. I don't know. Kind of, it was kind of a, a Din was also very like dad like to him. Like there was a great line. Uh, he said, um, "You're gonna stay here, so I'm gonna be respectful and mind your manners, and you know what I'm talking about." <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was very dad like. There was another yeah. one. He um, don't play with your food. He tells him in the in the chowder restaurant. Yeah, that was a great one. Which is a classic. And he's just dad. looking up like, "Hey, how'd you do that? Thank you, though. I appreciate that." <laughs> hey, let's talk about Bryce Dallas Howard, who's directed one episode oh, per yeah. season. Interestingly, both of her episodes have been like contained little new worlds, and both of them fishing communities, which I find to be an interesting coincidence. Uh, she lands the Razor Crest into the new atmosphere, a la her dad directing Apollo thirteen. It's exactly the same. And oh, good point. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I think she's doing a fabulous job. I, I, th- I, oh. I think she's great. I think she's queued up to be the next one to get the the next Star Wars project, next directing gig of magnitude. Um, she's gunning for it. Well, I mean, she's clearly shown that she can work within the community. She's learned from Filoni and Favreau. If you watch the Star Wars gallery, she's like a kid in a candy store. Yeah. She really is eager to learn about things. Uh, everybody was really excited and said she was great to work with. 
Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of episode uh, four, her episode in season one, um, but I still liked it a lot. Uh, the only one I wasn't a huge fan of in season one was the gunslinger on Tatooine. Mm. Um, and this one was incredible. And it was also really different than the other one. So it did show a lot of range and it showed that she can pretty much do anything she needs to. I mean, that entry scene was incredible. The cinematography on that was yeah. so cool. Just the free fall. Uh, and then the the blowing up the the fishing ship and the Mandalorians shooting off uh, up into the sky with their jetpacks uh, and just the amount of action it was it was such an incredible uh, episode and I think she yeah man, she's and, next on the docket uh, after Tyka clear Tyka and Deborah Chow clearly won out season one uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is is leading the next offer for this season for well, me. And the set design was absolutely spectacular. The like mm. the the docks in the opening sequence, and I just like all the details. Like I don't know if you've noticed, but sorry, what what are the fish species that Admiral Akbar is? What are they called? Uh, Mon calamari, which I don't like that they're called that. Kind of similarly to how I don't like that there's real the fish frog. or frogs. So like that's just like a really human sounding word. Um, there's a Mon Calamari guy in a cable knit sweater who kind of became a bit of a meme in the last day or two. I don't know if you've noticed. He was noticed. hilarious. <laughs> he, he was, but just like the fact that he's like wearing like a Chris Evans knives out sweater is just funny to people. Except, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Like it's a fisherman sweater. It's a fisherman sweater, but all the netting when he goes inside the inside the cockpit and he just kind of grunts Mon Calamari. It's it's just he great. Like a curse word almost. Yes, he. Like uh, well, he says another curse word, which was one of my trivia questions, so I might as well give it to you now. Um, Dank Beric. Okay. Well, yeah. Why, why wouldn't Why wouldn't you at least let me ask the question? I said sorry, I have he, a trivia question for you. Sorry, he said that one in in like the last two episodes too. I think. I know. My question was it was a, a Jedi Master question, although I guess not. Uh, what swear word is uttered by both Din and Bo Katan at separate points in this episode it is Dank Beric, which I guess just means like goddamn. I guess, but I, I, the first time I heard it, it's just, it's so silly. It is it's really so silly. clearly just trying to be like rearranging, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. It just, and it's just like a random Star Wars-y sounding thing. It doesn't have any meaning whatsoever. Yeah, but I think they're up to like five or six dank ferrics in the series so i I'd never noticed it before. Okay, let me give you another trivia question. Uh, Padawan, okay. Padawan question. This is really easy. What does Mando pay for repairs to his Razor Crest? Uh... A thousand credits. A thousand credits. And it doesn't really feel like he gets his money worth. Money's worth. <laughs> well, I don't know. I kind of think he does. Dude, get, kiss it goodbye. Your ship is wrecked. You need to invest in a new one. Well, I'm quite confident that the next episode, uh, he's going back to Navarro uh, to potentially talk to the armorer, uh, but also to talk to Grief Karga because he needs some money to fix his ship. Yes. Uh, he's probably not going to be able to make it all the way to Ahsoka. So he needs the, that that stopgap, which is uh, Carl Weathers directing episode before they get the Dave Filoni written and directed episode. Well, yeah, you mentioned Ahsoka. So we already knew, I mean, pretty much beyond the shadow of a doubt, we were going to get Ahsoka Tano in this, in this season. It's nice that it's so intrinsically connected to this Bo-Katan uh, episode. She might not come back again this season, but she specifically directs Mando. I think she to, will. Maybe she will. I, I, that kind of tends to be the, the what they do in the show, I guess. They bring back the heroes after you've you've met them in a previous episode. And uh, you mentioned how Bo-Katan had that very Darth Vader-y, pray I don't alter the deal kind of. It was like clearly it wasn't exactly that line, but it was designed to it be was, like that line. Yeah, um, she, it was a mocking. This is the way because he was the one who said that wasn't the deal. <laughs> right. So she had another moment where she's talking about uh, where to find. Um, 
uh, Ahsoka, and and by the way, that's my uh, Jedi Knight question. Where specifically does Bo-Katan tell Mando to take the Foundling in search of the Jedi? Um, the it's the it's the forest uh, planet of uh, Corvus. Yep, uh, in the city of of uh, Caladan or Catalan. Caladan. Uh, it's Caladan. Caladan. Yeah, I think of Ad- Adalon is one. Forest of planet of Corvus. And so the way she phrases this is very much go to this point, go to this place. There you will find this Jedi. It's it's very, very video game. Well, it's very Ben Kenobi on Hoth. There, go to the forest moon of De- or Dagobah. There you will find Yoda. There you will find Yoda. It's just like the way that sentence is arranged is specifically Star Warsy. Yeah, that's a really good pickup. Another one that was uh, a really cool thing, not that way, but another thing was when Bo-Katan goes down to reach her hand out for Din. Yeah. The offering of like saving from a Mandalorian. It parallels when that also happens to him in his flashback and the first time he's rescued by a Mandalorian. Yeah. And so this is interesting because this is time he's actually being rescued by like a real Mandalorian as opposed to a child of the watch. Or maybe we'll find out that they're not so extreme maybe it's just a little bit of he said he said she said everybody's everybody's enemy grass is always browner that's my guess is that they're not necessarily like an evil extremist group they're just like a little more intense and so therefore there's a little bit of tension between the two sects but i'm sure the crossover will be okay yeah i I don't know it's interesting because of the, the the history there but it would make sense for it to be kind of merging together for the to go against the empire, which is likely still like Moff Gideon could still be, he could be occupying Mandalore for all we know. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Right? Like he said, there's a, he said like rendezvous with the fleet or something, uh, or you won't be able to meet West with the fleet or something. He said something about a fleet. So maybe that fleet's outside Mandalore. Anything. Uh, and that's the reason why they can't get back. Anything you wanted to take back. I, I really had no, no major take backs, no issues with the episode. I will say like when baby Yoda and then Mando get tossed down into that cave and then it, they're caged over and there's like stabbing through the, through mm. the bars. That was very upsetting. It's not like it a was. take back, but it's like very disturbing and intense and frightening. It, it was very stressful. We're rich yeah. brothers and uh, drown them. It's like, it, it, it's yeah, you, you're, you're very worried. It's, but it, I was less worried about baby Yoda because he was in his shell. Thankfully in general, it was a pretty violent episode. It was, but it was great in that regard. Yep. Um, the only other thing is that, um, and this has become a funny topic as well on the internet, is how the difference between two sons and no son is huge. Because Obi-Wan was in love with Bo-Katan's sister. Keep this in mind. What she looks like now, six years earlier, Obi-Wan had died. <laughs> Oh. oh no, like eight years earlier, Obi-Wan had died. Oh, and this is what she oh. looks like. Now. Oh, so when you got that helmet on, you got no UV exposure. But when you're on Tatooine, you got two sons. She didn't age like at all. Right. And he aged so fucking much. <laughs> <laughs> he ages like 40 years and she ages 10 over the course of like 30. So she should be in her like early 50s here. And she, it looks like she's in her late thirties. You know what I, you know what I think is going to happen. I think in the uh, Obi Wan series, um, there's going to be an episode where Ewan McGregor has to choose a chalice to drink from, and he chooses incorrectly. <laughs> he chooses poorly. He's going to go with a bunch of old tropes. Yeah, I think that's. I think that this is the only explanation for why he's why he's eighty when he's forty five. 
<laughs> it just doesn't make sense. It's just going to be a very, very... He's going to actually age throughout the series. It's only four episodes, yeah. but he's going to like get older every episode, and we're just going to realize it took place over a week. He's going to be like one of those old men who lives in Florida and just like goes for like leathery walks on the beach and just wears this creepy little Speedo. Oh, that's so gross. So he's going to do that's that so on, on Tatooine. Quotes. Uh, not a ton of great quotes, but what was said was pretty rich and... and um, and entertaining. I liked uh, Bo-Katan on the intercom saying, uh, put some tea on, we'll be up in a minute, she says to the Imperial captain. Yeah, that's that was my placeholder title for the episode. I really liked that. I thought it was funny. You're changing the uh, terms of the deal. This is the way. Uh, no, I have enough pets. It's kind of funny. No, that, that was a funny one. Uh, he didn't kill your brother. I did. Mm -hmm. uh, don't believe everything you hear. Our enemies want to separate us, but Mandalorians are stronger together. Troopers, a squad at most, and they couldn't hit the side of a bantha. That was the next one I was going to say, yeah. Um, you know what to do. Long live the Empire. Right. Moff Gideon is so deeply badass. This is more than I signed up for. Uh, I got your weapons. I need to return to my ship with the foundling, which was a really good dad moment. Mm -hmm. Like, no, no, no. I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a wild, like, I, I, I am, like, I need to get back to my kid. Yeah. I, I did my, I did my job. And now you're going to, like, ugh. But in the end, then he does his weird suicide mission where he somehow doesn't get shot anywhere in between like the cracks of his armor, which there are plenty of. I kind of love like, that. It was like it's it's pretty friggin brutal. Like he just walks at the open fire and it's like clearly hard for him to do. It's like walking against the wind for him. Mm. It, it's it looks cool. The big thing that really struggled for me was how bad he throws the the thermal detonators. Yeah. Yeah. He throws them like this yeah okay and they somehow met like he throws them like he's throwing them to separate corners of the room mm -hmm. and then they go dead straight <laughs> through Fair the enough. cap yeah it was very impressive well maybe uh, that's pedro pascal maybe he's just not a, a great a great toss. not a great shot yeah <laughs> uh but it was one thing it was also to notice how much better at hand-to-hand -hand combat these mandalorians were than din as yep. well that's true Din's always getting his ass kicked in hand-to-hand yep. -hand stuff He's yep. a great like gunslinger, but these these were like gymnast style like cartoons almost the way they were they were animated. Well, I mean, Din is uh, he's got good gear and he's had to mm. like learn on the streets, but he never like took a martial arts class, right? Like whereas maybe the others did. They were part of like a proper organization. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely were. They were like child soldiers to a degree, kind of. Why don't you um, give me some trivia questions? Because I've already blown all of mine. I was right about to. Uh, what do the Quarren try to feed Baby Yoda to? I think I should maybe said it in the summary. I uh, well, yeah, you did say it already. I think you said it started with the letter M. I wasn't familiar with the term. Uh, it's called a mama core. Mama core, pretty gross. Like kind of another one of those circular, yep. toothy mouths. Yeah, it was. I wouldn't like another circular, toothy mouth if like it had been a bigger. It was, but it was not the main part of the scene. It was no. kind of a distraction to make you think it was the main part of the scene. It was minimal and it was very Star Wars-y in that here's where I keep my giant pet that's actually like a Cyclops or something and I'm going to feed you to it. That's been done a lot and we love it every time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, for how many generations has Bo's armor been in her family? Uh, three or four generations. Take a guess. Four. Oh, so close. Three. It was three. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, uh, hmm. Got a couple ones here. What type of ship 
do the four Mandalorians rob and ultimately steal? Um, it starts with a G, a G it's yep. like a, it's like a, I mean, it's like a freighter. Th- I don't know what the word is going to be, but I remember seeing it and it starts with a G. It's a Gazanti freighter. Would it's, not a, have... it's an Imperial Gazanti freighter. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, oh, another thing, speaking of Imperial, uh, um, hardware and ships cool that they seem to have modified an ATAT and turned it into a crane. Yeah, that was really cool. That yep. was uh, some Corellia like vibes in terms yep. of the way it was uh, just making use of uh, equipment around it. And of course, it, uh, and to be honest, as much as that could be a repurposed ATAT, it also could just be the way the cranes are designed and probably well, is more likely that. Totally. And when, when I see big cranes in our city, they kind of look like ATATs to me. So it's just kind of a cross, crossover of the two concepts. I've got two outside of my window right now. So it's kind of great. I can see one uh, built of Lego in your um, on your shelf right now. It looks fabulous. That's right. That is the ATM-6 from uh, The Last Jedi that uh, tries to, you know, blow the shit out of uh, Luke, but doesn't. <laughs> 1,400 pieces? Uh, 13 something. Yeah, yeah. I think. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It was a fun, it was a fun one to build. Yeah, really yeah. cool. I always, I always wanted the empire strikes back, uh, ATAT Lego set. And this one was like going out of stock earlier in the year and I got it on sale. And then of course I forgot like, Oh, you know, it's, it is the 40th anniversary of empire. They're going to come up with one later in the year. I was thinking, you know, they'll never have another ATAT set. Um, but anyway, I got this one at a good deal. So it was, uh, it was a smart buy and it was a lot of fun to build. It was a child's dream of mine accomplished. Good. So check that off the box. Congratulations. That's excellent. Uh, anything else you want to say about, uh, episode 2.3, the heiress of Mandalorian? I think we kind of said it all. We did say a lot of great stuff. Uh, there was one thing I wanted to say, uh, about Din that I saw on Reddit and just some, it was a random Reddit comment that didn't even have that many, uh, comments on it uh like or responses i don't even think it was a like a post i think it was a comment and it was one of the coolest pieces uh, like tidbits of information i've heard about the mandalorian yet and his name din din means this is the way <laughs> oh like just those three letters translate in what language to this is the I, way it, well when you look it up it's it's kind of uh you get well the the i'll look i'll, I'll type it in right here and so uh, Din, and it has its origins in Arabic and, and Hebrew uh, orig- origins. Uh, but the verb Din uh, is the the constant learning through repetition of a doctrinate uh, or indoctrination. Oh shoot! Uh, yeah. So, i.e., this is the way, or a child of a cult. <laughs> That's very uh, interesting. Hey, why doesn't he ever introduce himself? That's not against his way is it to does he have to be anonymous we don't know much about his way his like interestingly uh the armorer says in season one um i don't remember what episode episode three the episode this one kind of is similar to uh except we learn about the rest of mandalore that's the one where the mandalorians come and save him and baby yoda when they're pinned in against all those bounty hunters right um, but she kind of says to them, our strength comes in the secrecy that we have and our ability to not be known in the public. Whereas Bo literally says our strength is in our numbers yes. and working together. And so they do have this like clear division of what their way is. And so it, it, it's really kind of exciting. Like who, like I'm, I'm assuming that the name Din is, is just for, uh, 
Like that's a trivia, a, a bit of trivia for us, not yeah. for anything to do with the show. Um, but it, it definitely shows that there's there's something to that character and that maybe he ha- he's going to do a lot of unlearning. Uh, and maybe some of those rumors that were going around, the garbage rumors that Pedro Pascal was unhappy uh, on set were because he's going to have his helmet off a lot in season three. And people just assumed that that was because he complained, not because maybe he just, you know, learns yeah. <laughs> and is able to do it. Yeah, imagine. Uh, so maybe that was just a bunch of people putting stupid things together and people love to snowball and say that everything in the world is crumbling and that somebody's a terrible person on set. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't think there's anything else to say about that. Uh, that was just a, a really a, a exciting little uh, factoid I found. And I thought that seeing that this week was even better after learning more about uh, the children of the watch. So. Well, it's it's not dissimilar from learning that Vader is German for father or or whatever. Like it's uh, another that one is just lucky though. Is it just lucky? I guess cuz they named him before they knew he was the father. Yeah, that's very yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's that's, a, that's one that people always say, "Oh, that's no, it was that was that is lucky." <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good point. Uh, I wasn't it's, thinking it's of that. Dark Invader. Yeah. And that's why he's dark and insidious. You right. just the INs for the Sith titles in the in the right. original trilogy, at least. Right, right. Dark and Maul, whatever that means. Yeah, it doesn't work as much. No. That was a wonderful transition, though, to uh, the news. Okay. Um, and the only thing, or not the only thing in the news, but one of the big things in the news in the last little while uh, actually is about uh, Darth Maul and his potential use in the sequel trilogy. Oh. And so it was revealed a little while ago uh, just about some information. I forget where it came up exactly, Um, but just some notes on George Lucas's discussions around what would be included in the sequel trilogy. Now, this is before uh, the selling to Disney or even hiring uh, Michael Arndt to like work on scripts or even treatments. Uh, This was likely... Uh, during the Clone Wars, during the early days, before even Maul's reintroduction into the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is before his use in Solo. Um, But what the potential for it would be that Maul would be the main villain and that the underworld would be the main antagonizing force as opposed to the First Order. And that chaos rises and that Maul is the leader of that. Uh, Darth Talon is uh, a Maul's female Twi'lek apprentice. Uh, she does the majority of the the work in the in the trilogy. She's far more visible, a la Vader, um, to Sidious in the original trilogy. And then Maul would be. Maul would be kind of a little bit more secretive as a big reveal sort of thing. She would be used to uh, seduce the child of Han and Leia to the dark side, their Ben Solo equivalent. Uh, Luke would then uh, unite some people from the survivors of uh, Order 66 uh, and then uh, reunite the Jedi while Leia rebuilds uh, the kind of galactic uh, republic. So this would have taken place significantly shorter period of time after uh, Return of the Jedi. So like maybe more like a decade as opposed to 30 years. Uh, And so it's kind of an interesting thought as to how that could have gone. Uh, and then he shifted over uh, and replaced Maul with Uber. Uh, and Uber was the early version of Snoke. Uh, and then Darth Talon eventually was scrapped for uh, the Jedi Eater. Uh, or the Jedi Eater was introduced as well. Um, and then that was, mer- that was merged with um, Talon. 
uh, it, it was just it was just then like a guy who was like it, that was ultimately like then merged with Ben Solo as sorry Kylo Ren as well and so just to, uh, like kind of like making this assassin like other character and so little traces of it were were abandoned over time but it was clearly the inspiration for Maul's use as the main crime lord uh, in um, both the Clone Wars and then again in Solo. Uh, especially seeing as it was no longer remotely going to be used because they had killed Maul uh, before the original trilogy's time. Wow, that's a whole lot of information to take in. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds cool. I mean, I can't, I can't just, in my head, I really can't rationalize going back and like trying to rewrite the sequel trilogy again because ultimately it is what it is. And, and there, yeah, are, no. there are some other great ideas that could have been, but uh, really interesting. Ultimately, probably not a better fate than what Darth Maul got. No, I, I think that it ultimately was would have been shifted away from, and that was the right thing. And I, and I think George Lucas even got there himself, and that that was not the right character to necessarily be the antagonist for this this larger saga. Uh, although uh, some of the other key points there, I think, are really interesting. I do believe um, literal seduction to the dark side is a really interesting path that yep. Ray almost went down in. Uh, the sequel trilogy, but didn't, uh, but would be nice to literally see happen. Uh, I would also am like really desperate when, if we get a, a 10, 11, 12 uh, for the turn to happen in the trilogy in the middle. So yeah. we get, the, we get the full, we get the full picture as, as in it, you give us, I, I, I don't know whether it's like you, you view the, the saga as like a two, three, four or a, uh, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but it would no, be nice I, to see see the the before, the turn, and the redemption in one uh, trilogy or right. set of movies. Well, because we've seen a you know a couple two Skywalkers have have not turned at all, and they're Luke and Ray, and mm -hmm. the two Skywalkers did, and they're Anakin and Ben Solo, um, mm -hmm. and so we have seen Anakin turn, but we just all agree that it could have been done better, and so I just would like to see someone more gradually and effectively break bad in Star Wars. Yeah, I, 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 that's a really good point. I was more so referring to I would like to see um, like the Va Vader Vader's arc is the full six movies. Yeah. And so you don't you don't get to see that 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 arc in just a, a singular trilogy. And I know that that's hard to do, uh, and maybe that's probably the reason why it, why it hasn't been done. However, that's a really really cool way of doing things, and I don't know if you could do the way you just described in a movie. But oh my God, how cool would it be to get a long, like a slow burn break bad in TV with a character? Yeah. Uh, or, I, or even with a movie, but just any form of a, a slow burn break bad would be great. Obviously, that's that's like one of the great character studies of like modern entertainment, Walter White. We were talking on the show show recently about how the most effectively the the most effective way or efficient way in which that same transition has been achieved in in a singular movie is The Godfather with Michael yep. Corleone. I mean, he's not like a squeaky yeah, clean school teacher in the beginning or anything, but like that that is a tremendously um, successful turn to complete dark evil, uh, and it never feels like whiplash. And I think you can achieve that in a Star Wars movie. You don't you don't yeah, have to take six years to do it. No, you you know what you just you just said it right there because. He breaks bad. Like you got a full, great, like big arc in two movies there. Um, 
with that kind of slow burn break bad. So yeah. you could do it in three. You're right. No, you're, you're totally right. I mean, the Godfather, that's it's a high level, high bar to set, that, but, it's, but it's, it's doable. Yep. And, and that's, that's what's important. If you get the, you get an actor like an Adam driver who can, who can really bring it home. Right. Right. Exactly. Or in the words of John Oliver, really um, <laughs> do, a, do a lot of things. Collapse my chest. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, that was funny! Destroy, rip out my larynx. <laughs> yeah, funny, funny appearance this week. If anyone saw last week, on tonight. last week tonight, yeah. yeah. Okay, what uh, else? What else is going on? Bit, uh, yeah, in the comics, Vader is fighting Oshi. Um, they're doing some like filling in the blanks and stuff for Rise. I actually think it's a a huge mistake and really stupid to do because nobody gives a shit about uh, a patchwork comic trying to fix plot holes and like if you want to try to fix these plot holes or make this movie age better you need to make this actually worth a damn yeah. not just be a comic that takes but that's coming out the year after right let it percolate let right. it sit for a while like there's zero chance that this can have any impact impact or emotional weight to it or solid resolution to making that movie make more sense. Mm -hmm. The Rise of Skywalker novelization, in my opinion, is as bad as the movie. Uh, or, sorry, as sloppy as the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't like to say the movie's bad because it's some wonderful moments and it's some incredibly cool moments and some uh, some of the best things in Star Wars. I mean, even with just like the cool little Ben Solo moment uh, and just even Ben Solo, any moment with Ben Solo in yeah, general. Right. Uh, everything with Kylo Ren. So, But sloppiness is a word that, excellently describes that part and this seems like a sloppy fix to it too so that's a little annoying yeah that's not going to do when it comes to a really 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 delayed fix to a problem in star wars i think we may have one though uh early early reviews uh we're recording this in the 16th uh but comes out tomorrow apparently the holiday special is a blast uh and so that's really exciting wait a second uh, the special comes out tomorrow it comes out November seventeenth. Yeah. Oh my god! That's, I'm so excited. Yeah. Apparently, the some some of the voice acting is, uh, like, really bad. Some of or like really off. I should say. Like apparently, like Finn more than anyone. That doesn't surprise me. Uh, and Ray, I've heard bits and pieces, and some yeah. of it's like, oh, that sounds. Oh no, that doesn't sound anything like her. No. And so it's kind of all over the place. It's a little bit up and down. It's just a very. It's a very exaggerated impression as opposed to like trying to just do the character. It's like an exaggerated impression almost. So does it have uh, like apparently a... it's a blast. And so that's really exciting. Apparently it's tons of fun. Does it have like a tomato meter score yet or anything we can judge based on? Uh, I don't think so. It's going to come out on Disney plus, uh, but it, it apparently just, it pokes fun at itself and it, it does it in a, a very good Lego star Warsy way. It's not, it, 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 nothing about it takes itself seriously, but you got Billy D Williams, you got Anthony Daniels, uh, and you got some like familiar uh, animated voices as well. And so uh, if if the the early uh, couple reviews, there's not been many. I've just seen a couple articles. I guess a couple people got to see it early, um, but they were all very, very, very positive. And uh, that it's it's clearly doing it the way that you should do something like that's that has such big stakes that 
you can erase those stakes and still keep all of the fun and the things that we love about it. So we'll no doubt have some things to say about that uh, special in the coming weeks, but we've still got five more episodes of The Mandalorian to cover. And so then I guess we'll do a podcast. It'll be a month late at this point, or at least the special will be a month old at this point, but that'll give people Mm. a little time to see it, maybe see it a couple of times. A lot of folks are not quite ready to consume all their Christmas movies yet anyhow. So we'll do it. We'll wrap up this season of Mandalorian over the next five weeks and and then we'll we'll just as it's kind of nearing Christmas, we'll take some time to to chat about this special at length. Yeah, I think that'll be an, an appropriate way to do it. And I mean, this is the only thing that we've done as it's gone anyway. So there's nothing wrong with doing a little, little bit after and also a little bit more in line with uh, the time of year and the calendar. Anything else uh, you want to talk about uh, that's going on in the news? Uh, really not much. Uh, I heard a rumor that inside Disney, they felt that the only episode that was weak uh, in season two was episode two it was chapter 10. Uh, they said they felt internally like just a rumor that every episode was a home run except for that one. And so, I mean, I've kind of felt that way in the first two of the three that second one wasn't a home run. Um, but the other two have been, so that's really exciting for what the rest yeah, is to come. That's fabulous. I mean, the, the second one just kind of stands alone. Like not a, not a ton of it is that consequential other it's than that. No, no, it's just, it's, it's not that consequential, which is fine. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, if you really like needed to, they absolutely could have made it in this episode one long episode mm-hmm. if yeah, you right. needed to. Yeah, but so. it would be too long. It would be too long, absolutely, yeah. and it would have like it would have a weird kind of pacing to it. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Daniels uh, loves The Mandalorian and really would like to be in it, <laughs> um, so that should be granted. Uh, John Favreau, let him be. Let him be 3PO or someone else. It doesn't matter. I saw Patton Oswalt tweeting about how much he loves The Mandalorian recently. And Patton Oswalt famously had that wonderful cameo on yeah. Parks and Recreation where he where he just... This was uh, post-Disney acquisition, but pre-Force Awakens. And so yeah. the, the premise is he's playing this nerdy guy in Pawnee who... Um, he is uh what's the word where you hold court so that no he's filibustering where he's like kind of musing on what disney could do with star wars and it's all of his predictions are insane and preposterous although he does drop the word mandalorian in that uh, well he specifically if i'm if i recall correctly the only thing i can remember from it is he says and then a mandalorian hand comes up from the sand gauntlet yeah or gauntlet yeah but like he he mentions boba fett and like so it's clearly some like a particular part that he's jazzed about. And so, oh my God, Patton Oswalt, there's no reason he cannot be an alien in Star Wars. Yeah, he could be he a could, droid or, or honestly, he could just be like some, in, a, in an Amy Sedaris type way, he could even be a live action performer. He's actually a very good actor. Um, and so I, I saw him tweeting about the show and I thought he he's definitely entitled to a, to a role at some point. Certainly. Uh, there were some rumored titles for uh, season two of The Mandalorian that have proven not to be true. But I wonder if they were uh, potential like placeholder titles because the title like The Marshal and The Heiress are kind of obvious if you know what could potentially have been coming in this season. True. Uh, and so it, it makes me interested. They were called The Search, The Confrontation, The Bounty, The Republic, The Loyalist, The Sorcerer, The Return, and The Empire. And so... If they were potentially like filming order and like placeholders, it it, it just makes it interesting because I mean, it, logically, the search he's starting the search for more Mandalorians. That's could be the Boba Fett one, or the Return could be the Tatooine. Sorry, that that's like the first episode of the season. There's an episode called the Sorcerer that makes sense for like Ahsoka's, but there's an episode interestingly called the Confrontation, uh, and so it makes me wonder like potentially 
will Din have his conversation with the armorer and will it not go so well? Yeah, right. <laughs> will she will she like beat the living hell out of him and baby Yoda needs to like remind us, hey, I've got the force still and then save his life. That could happen at some point. He could go back and be like, you fed me lies. She's a badass. So yeah, we saw what she did to all those stormtroopers. Uh, anything else you want to say? I got a couple of birthdays. Oh, let's hear the birthdays. Uh, good birthdays. All post-acquisition birthdays. None of them ever seen partners. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, this Thursday, we just mentioned him. A happy birthday, November 19th to Adam Driver. One of oh. the greats. And uh, this coming Sunday, sharing a birthday on November 22nd, Alden Ehrenreich and Mads Mikkelsen. Did you hear Mads Mikkelsen is uh, rumored to be taking over Grindelwald from Johnny Depp? Oh, I didn't even know that was rumor. I thought that was confirmed. No, that's it's cool. Not. It's not confirmed. Uh, it's all happening huh? very quickly. Yeah. He's a beloved actor, and uh, I think he's actually, I think he's got a comedy right now that's getting him like a bunch of awards buzz. It's hard to imagine, to be honest. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I think he plays a teacher who's like has a bet with other teachers who can get the drunkest at school, like who can teach drunkest. And it's apparently like a like an award winning comedy, or it's like doing really good at like the the, the festivals that are on. Mads Mickelson. I know. That's why I remember this because I heard it and thought it was the most ridiculous concept I'd ever heard. All right. And then looked it up on IMDb and the poster's just him chugging. <laughs> I like it. I think that's great. Okay. I know. That's all, that's all I got for birthdays. Um, it, we would love for folks to rate and review the podcast on their preferred podcast app. Um, if you have any thoughts on episode 2.3 of The Mandalorian, The Heiress, you can tweet us at Recorder66 or email Recorder66Podcast at gmail.com. And until we are together again, may the force be with you. Thank you.